Hey, real quick, before you listen to this episode, this is Sam, Alice's girlfriend, and I took over her microphone because I wanted to let you know that Alice and Shahid have a website. They're very professional now. You can check out their website, classicalqueeros.com, and see all episodes, future blogs and transcripts, and show info. But wait, it gets better. It's now easier than ever to help support classical queeros. Have you ever thought to yourself, I want to give money to gay people. I just want to hand some money right over to some queers. Well, now you can. You can buy merch on the website and you can subscribe to their brand new Patreon. I know when I think Patreon, I think I don't have any money. I'm gay and poor. But even just $2 a month goes a long way. Plus, you get bonus stuff. Anyway, that's all. Enjoy the show. If you want to find out about classical queers, then you're in the right place with Alice and Jaheed. Yeah! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Classical Queeros, the podcast that aims to de-straighten music history by highlighting queer composers. Today is um, episode six, I think we're on. Look at us go. I'm proud of us. Whoa, already? Yeah, yeah I know, right? Um, I feel like we just started, like, yesterday, but then I realized that our, like, first episode came out on in October, which <laughs> was not recent. No, not at all. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Anyway, time's not real. We're so accomplished. Yeah, we are. That's <laughs> right. Um, we get things done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm Alice Park. My pronouns are she, her, and I have a black belt in Taekwondo. Yes, and I've always, I've always been like, if I ever need protection, I'm going to call Alice (laughs) first. Yeah, (laughs) I will be your bodyguard any day. Like, yes, you don't have to give me a reason. Just say, Alice, I need you to be the bodyguard and I'll be there behind you (laughs) waiting. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you also do like. You also do yoga. You also <laughs> do. do climbing. Like I do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am I yeah, you know, I've never thought of myself as like an athletic person because I don't like running. And I guess I don't know, in middle school and high school it was like I felt like if you if you were athletic then you could run and like that was it. But now I do, yeah, I like to do yoga because it makes me feel good about myself and all stretchy and nice. And I like to do rock climbing because it's really fun and it makes me feel like a badass. And yeah, so I guess I am athletic now. Huh. Yeah. And didn't you say in our first episode that you used to play football when you were younger? Yeah. Well, not like on a team or anything, just like as, you know, in the park with friends and stuff. (laughs) My brother's friends. That's more than I ever did. Well, I was one of those, like, I'm not like other girls, girls, you know? So I was like, Uh of course I would want to play football, because, like, the other girls don't play football. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Do you feel like that was your first, like, your first encouragement to doing that was, like, well, this is odd for a girl to do, so I'm going to do it? Yeah, pretty much. I think that, like, inspired most of my childhood. Woo! Just, just wanting to be better than other girls, which is internalized misogyny, folks. Or, um, or you were forward thinking to destroy the binary. Oh, you know what? We can have both. <laughs> it can be both. <laughs> anyway, who are you? I'm Shahid Osuna. My pronouns are he, him. And I just bought a bunch of plants yesterday at Home Depot. Ooh, what kind of plants? I bought this one over here. Aww. 
Um, so ferny and leafy. Yeah, it's really like thick, dark leaves that are very waxy, um, mm-hmm. and it's really pretty. Um, That's so, so nice. my yeah, yeah. My sister, um, she's like the family plant person. <laughs> Um, and I FaceTimed her while I was there and I was like, help me pick the ones out that won't die. And, um, she did. So. Wow. That's so cute. Plants are so nice. I'm really bad at plants. Um, I I wish I was good at plants, but it's just nice to have them around. For Sam's birthday, one of the things I got her was a, like, there's this, like, small business, like, black-owned company that what is it called? I think it's called the nice plant where you order their like plant package and for 50 bucks they send you like two plants and then all the material they're succulents so they can like be shipped and they send you the plants and they send you dirt and and, and little uh, they're not jars, pots! <laughs> little pots for the succulents and little rocks to decorate it with and they give you instructions on how to take care of the succulents and keep them alive. So ever since Sam got those, we've had these plants and she's just been getting more and more and she has these really cute, like, really stupid, they're not, okay, they're not stupid, they're just confusing. She got from her friend Majeska for her birthday these jar, pot, pots that are, we don't know if they're llamas or if they're goats because they're kind of both. But <laughs> anyway, so she's got these little plants um, and little fun little pots to put them in. And it's just nice to have plants around and stuff and to to have, you know, something to take care of. Yeah. Wait. Okay, wait. This is, there's a couple of things that I want to dissect here. The, <laughs> could you say the name of a black owned, the black owned company one more time for us? I plant think company. it's, yeah, I think it's called The Nice Plant. Let me look it up. The Nice, the nice. Plant. Uh, yeah, that looks right. We are not getting paid for this, folks. <laughs> yeah, we don't get paid for pretty much anything, because... <laughs> but that's okay. It's a passion project. Yeah, it's the the nice plant. And you can get... You can get mm. lots of things. But specifically, like, I got her just, like, the, the regular uh, <gasps> pot-it-yourself box. Whoa, this is such a cute... I, I'm looking at their website. It is uh-huh. theniceplant.com. Um... <laughs> And there's a plant it yourself deluxe paint it and pot it yourself box. Ooh, and it comes yeah. with, it looks like it comes with two pots and paints. Wow. And the plants, of course. Okay. This wow. is really cute date idea. Um, yeah. Oh, anyway. It, yeah, it's like um like a a painting and wine night. Like or color yeah. me mine, except it's yeah with plants. With plants. Oh, that oh, is super so cute. cute! I didn't even think about that. Oh, one of these, <laughs> one of the boxes you can get is called Better Than a Threesome, and it's. <laughs> I wanted to say it's just three plants, or is it four plants? Oh, it's four plants. It's a foursome Ooh. of succulent plants. Wow! Wow! Thank you for sharing that. I'm gonna look this up later more. Oh my gosh. You should definitely cool. send me lots of pictures of whatever plants you get. Because that's very Okay, exciting. I will. Very, very cute. Yay. I um, actually think um, in a prior episode, I think I might have actually said that I'm like terrible at keeping plants alive. So I feel bad that <laughs> I'm now telling my listeners that I'm going to kill more plants. But I'm going to try and keep them alive this time. I promise. Well, succulents are sturdier, you know? So I feel like if you buy succulents, especially ones that come with instructions, then it'll be a lot 
easier and then you'll both be happy you and the plant. yeah yeah i i did buy one succulent yesterday too Ooh. um it was a um just like a little fuzzy guy and oh. um uh so uh charles just um inherited like a tiny little pink teapot that i thought was really cute and i thought we could memorialize it by putting a little plant in it Um, that's so cute it's very very cute i'm very (laughs) happy with it (laughs) oh that's so what a perfect aesthetic for you like plants and cute little pink teapots yes (laughs) that's so perfect oh my god i'll send you Um, a picture later yay (laughs) thank goodness um well so that was fun what a detour um (laughs) today we're going to be talking about a very super cool musician who is currently a singer songwriter but started on the french horn she is crazy talented and her work is raw and relatable i'm really excited to talk about her today because not only is she all of those things but she's also korean like me and you know there's like we can probably count on like one, maybe two hands, the number of Korean people in the public eye in music or otherwise. So, you know, it's just it's just nice. It's just nice. Yeah. Mm. But before we get into that, we have our opening segment. What do you say, gay? Woo. Yeah. Woo. Um, <laughs> our question today is if you could go back in time and be fully trained in a different genre of music, like like, go back in time and tell yourself, don't study classical music, study this other part of music. What, like, genre would you choose? Oh, man. Um, okay. I am definitely going to have to go with, like, metal. Ooh. Um, mostly because that's literally how I got into music to begin with, actually. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I've told you this, but... Um, <laughs> My first instrument in fifth grade was saxophone, and the reason I picked saxophone was because it was big and had a lot of buttons, and in my, like, I guess, like, 10-year-old eyes, it was the closest thing to, like, an electric guitar. Um, And you're not wrong. (laughs) I was like, I mean, a a clarinet doesn't look like a guitar as much because it's smaller. Um, Oh, my God. But yeah, I really wanted to be like a metal rock. I had a guitar and I had a couple of them and I was really bad at it, but I would play like Muse and like Queens of the Stone Age tabs. Oh um, <laughs> and I just really wanted to be like in a rock band. So oh my God. <laughs> I want, I wish so badly I could see baby Shaheed like rocking out on a saxophone. I didn't know that you started on saxophone. Yes. You played too many instruments. (laughs) Yes, I played played sax. And actually, um, it's so funny that you say rocking out because like also, I would also just play those same songs on saxophone anyways. Like, because that's all I wanted to do was like, oh, I'm going to play like Knights of Sidonia on my saxophone (laughs) and like, (laughs) like a bunch of like rock songs. Oh my god, that's so funny! <laughs> Loved it. Um, <laughs> wow, uh, you know, I have a side question. I don't think I ever asked this. Is there a reason why um, you like flute is the instrument that you've ended up on basically lately? Like you play, I don't know, a thousand different instruments. Like, <laughs> what made you <laughs> decide to like go to school for this one? Um, honestly, I 
It wasn't my first choice. I mean, I knew when I knew I wanted to be a musician, like around seventh grade or eighth grade, I was like, I want to be a musician. I hadn't even picked up a flute yet. And I was playing tuba. And I was like, I don't like tuba. I don't like that. We don't have anything fun. (laughs) Saxophone is more fun than this. Um, (laughs) So I wanted actually to play French horn. Um, Oh, because I was like, oh, French horns are in orchestras, and they're kind of cool. Um, but I never got a chance to do that. Um, and when I went to marching band, they had a hole in the woodwind section. They were like, do you want to play flute or clarinet? And I was like, flute, because I don't have to buy reeds. And yeah. uh, that's that's basically it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So then yeah. by the time you were like graduated high school, you're like, well, this is the one I'm on now, so I guess I'll just study this one in college. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I also had no idea that I was going to be a performance major because in high school and a little bit in community college, I was like, I want to go into music ed. Mm. Um, But I had a talk with Dr. Stoffel, actually, that changed my mind. And he made me consider it a little more deeply about what I wanted to do. That's Um, really cool. Yeah, so shout out to yeah, Stoffel. Papa Stoffel, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, okay, so what were we on? Oh, the, the what do you say, gay? Um, oh, okay, so if I could choose to learn a different genre of music, I don't really know <laughs> what genres are. Like, okay, I know what genres are. But if I had to, first of all, describe any given genre, I would have a hard time doing it. I feel like it's too nebulous. Second of all... Of uh, course. Yeah. Second of all, all of the music I listen to is so spread out across genres that I could... I, like, like I hate when people are like, what kind of music do you listen to? And I'm like, I don't know. I, it's too much. Just look <laughs> at my phone. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that all being said... Um, I don't know if you can see it, but I'm wearing a shirt that says Lake Street Dive. This was totally not on purpose, but Lake Street Dive is, thanks to Sam, my new favorite band as of, Ooh. like, uh, two years ago. Um, they play, like, uh, you see, I don't even ha- know how to describe the genre. I think it's listed as alternative, but it's, like, um, they started out as just, like, um, drums, guitar sometimes, um, bass, and voice and trumpet there was four of them the trumpet player would play guitar or trumpet um and like it was like really good like not folksy but like like acoustic but like oh i don't know but it's really good and i just want to do that you know i think my genre is lake street dive that's the (laughs) that's my chosen genre if like you're gonna recommend a song to the listeners to listen to like what's a good introductory song yeah. Oh, jeez. I would say my favorite one is You Go Down Smooth. Um, that one's my favorite one. But mostly their entire album, Bad Self Portraits, is so good. Um, and, like, their bass player, phenomenal. Um, the singer, phenomenal. The everyone else, phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> um I, yeah, I just love them a lot. And so I would recommend You Go Down Smooth and, uh, ooh, also Bobby Tanqueray. You Go Down Smooth and Bobby Tanqueray. His name is spelled T-A-N, oh, geez, T-A-N-Q, 
U A R Y? I don't know. You can Google it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, ten, we love Blake Street Tangeray. <laughs> That's how I'm going to remember it. <laughs> okay. T A N Q U E R A Y. Yeah. It's really good. Oh, right. So if I could choose a different genre to have learned in the past, it would be Lake Street Dive. That's my genre. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Actually, um, I have a Lake Street Dive poster. <clears throat> right? Can you see it? It's a like orange thing. Oh, yeah. I like yeah, the art style. Really, yeah, it's really nice and like fun. Uh, okay. Well, enough about me. We now have time for an ad break. And then we're back to learn about Sasami. Woo! If you want to find out about classical queers. Alice. Shahid. Do you remember Jane Schaefer? Is that the five paragraph essay lady? Topic sentence, concrete detail, commentary, etc.? Yeah, what was up with that? I don't know, but it definitely doesn't help with writing in the real world. Yeah, well, you know what could help with writing in the real world? Ooh, tell me. Honeybee Writing Coach. Honeybee Writing Coach? Yeah, it's a queer-owned business that helps people write all sorts of things. Like college essays? Yep. What about resumes? Oh, yeah. Cover letters? Mm Mm-hmm. Website content? That too. School applications? Uh Uh-huh. Raise requests? (laughs) Yeah, literally anything you can think of. What about writing help for kids? Of course. Can I learn how to use my voice to get where I want to go in life? And empower myself and others? And make a difference in the world around me? Literally all of the above. Wow! Where can we find this magical writing coach? Just go to honeybeewritingcoach.com. Do you mean H-O-N-E-Y-B-E-E-W-R-I-T-I-N-G-C-O-A-C-H.com? Yeah, Honeybee Writing Coach. Write to learn, write to succeed, and write to lead. Hello, Classical Queeros listeners. I'm Richie, Alice's roommate, and I have a couple questions for you. Do you like sourdough bread? Do you live in LA or San Diego? Well, I have some good news. I make and sell loaves of sourdough bread, and I can deliver those homemade loaves to you. All you have to do is follow me on Instagram at Richie's underscore bread. That is at R-I-C-H-I-E-S underscore B-R-E-A-D. If you like pictures of bread, you'll love my page. Just send me a direct message to order your next loaf. Also, if you're trying to make your own loaves of sourdough bread and you have any questions about the process, feel free to direct message me about that as well. One last thing. If you mention that you heard this ad on the Classical Queeros podcast, you'll get free delivery on your next order. Thanks so much for listening and supporting. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Place with Alice and, and we're back <laughs> today 
we are talking about the incomparable Sasami Ashworth. She goes by the stage name of Sasami, which is just her first name. Uh, she is a queer Korean-American classically trained shoegaze singer-songwriter based here in L.A. Ooh. Uh, mm-hmm. So shoegaze, or like shoegazing, is like kind of like a subgenre that I had no idea what it was until I like somebody defined it in an interview. It refers to a, a particular like genre of like psychedelic indie music where it comes from um, like psychedelic guitarists spending hours on the stage like staring at their feet on the pedals instead of like looking at the audience. So they're staring at they're gazing at their shoes while they're uh-huh. playing the music. So that's where it comes from. Um, yeah, I love. Yeah. I used to like. Oh my gosh, when I was in high school. There is this like shoegaze band that I listened to uh, so frequently, and it was just like my aesthetic and my constant mood, like all the way through, like oh for God. like two years. Um, and I think it was called Tears Run Rings. Uh, band is that what it is? What it's called? I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Anyways, sorry. Just an aside. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> yeah. We love asides. We don't know how to stick to one, <laughs> one um, thread conversation. <laughs> anyway, um, unlike the dead white men from our last episode, Sasami is alive and like young currently. Um, she released her debut solo album, Sasami, in 2019. Uh, I actually found her on some article about queer musicians to look out for. And then when I mentioned her to you, Shahid, I was like, I want to research Sasami. And you were like, oh, Sasami, I know her. I worked with her once. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that happens a lot with you. I'm like, oh, so-and-so. And And you're like, oh, yeah, I met that person. I'm like, when? (laughs) How? That was Uh. was so recent, though. That was, like, really a coincidence because I had just... I had just worked with her on something like maybe a few months prior to us to you finding that article and us oh my god that was yeah. so recent wow so it was like really quickly <laughs> yeah yeah and what exactly did you do that involved her um she was I'm not exactly sure what role she played in it but I know she was helping another artist named Duffy um who was in the middle of uh, recording a song and it was this great song I keep like thinking about it and like oh I can't wait to hear it I don't know where to listen for it but I'm gonna try and find it um, mm-hmm. yeah and it was really really pretty I don't know when or where to find that song but I really <laughs> want to listen to it because I really liked the vibe it was wow that's really cool well we'll have to like share it once we once you find it yeah this is released and stuff um so to be clear, Sasami was the one who was like kind of contracting you to this artist Duffy. I guess so. Yeah, she was like looking for a woodwind person, and then somebody mentioned me to her, and that's how. I guess that's how it happened. But I I don't know anything else than that. I just kind of played mm. the music and sent the recording. <laughs> Isn't that like the life of music in LA? <laughs> True. <laughs> You're like, I'll yes. never know what the rest of this sounds like. And just send it away. <laughs> um, that's really cool. Uh, that's actually, like, it's really cool that that's the, like, how you met her. Because, and we're going to talk about this later. She has a really varied career, but never, like, 
on purpose. She was never like, I'm going to be a musician in all of these fields. She was just like out here doing stuff. And then she ended up picking up a bunch of skills. Um, and like, that was one of them. So, uh, in my opinion, Sasami Ashworth has a vibe that is hard to explain and hard to attain. Ooh. She is extremely vulnerable and honest in her music, but she's also like really confident and relaxed. Uh, the very first song of hers that I listened to was called Not The Time, and I I watched the music video for it. Uh, she dresses up as this weird clown with a cape and like a thin like curly pencil mustache uh, drawn on her face, and she rides around LA on a bike playing French horn, and that's the music video. <laughs> Whoa, um, like at the same time? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> no, she goes that on its own place. is just like... <laughs> uh, can you imagine? Oh, my God. Um, no, she. but she does have this, like, harness thing that she wears. Like, a kind of like a baby harness, but she puts the horn in it. Um, oh. She's, like, walking around. Yeah. Um, anyway, in the music video, like, she's doing all that silly, like, stuff that you have to have, like, an amount of, like, self-confidence to be that weird in public. Um However, the lyrics of the song describe a time when you're, like, accepting that a relationship of any kind won't work out with someone because of bad timing, which is, like, you know, that's painful. It sucks. Um, mm-hmm. The Some of the lyrics say, it's not the time or place for us, even though we tried to make it work. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's sad and scary, and it, yeah, you hate to admit it when it happens. Right. Um, Alston Pudding interviewed her, and in that they said, Sasami Ashworth carries herself with a certainty that could inspire envy from many, but instead endears you to the musician even more than you thought possible. Canned answers are common fare in music journalism, but Ashworth is deliberate in how much she lets you see behind the curtain. Her manner is one of processing and reacting, working herself up to reveal all of the churning and spitting parts of herself. Wow. So, yeah, so it's like... Like, she's really vulnerable, but in that comes her confidence and, like, totally uh, genuine bravado. And I just think that's really cool. Um, we stand. Uh, she, like, she really just seems like she's a person who's just out here, just, like, being herself, living her truth, which is right. always really cool. Uh, so she got started in music as a child. She said that, like every good Korean kid, she learned piano first. Um, and then she took band classes in school where she picked French horn because she was like, well, the flute is too normal and, you know, so are other things. So I'm going to be the weird kid and play French horn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then, uh, she played music throughout school and she was like, I'm going to major in classical music performance. So she goes to Eastman to study French horn performance. Amazing. Like, like. I just, let's take a moment here to appreciate that more and more people are like, yes, I got this like classical music degree, but I don't have to follow through with it. And I'm not going to consider myself a failure because of it. So -hmm. that's cool. Anyway, so she's really, (laughs) so she's actually, not actually, she's very good at the French horn. She played um, in Eastman. She graduated in 2012. And then halfway through, she realized this wasn't like the life that she wanted. In an interview with LA Records, she said, I always thought I was going to be an orchestral horn player. Two years into studying classical music, I was like, whoa, actually, this is not for me. Playing in an orchestra is pretty much doing karaoke of old dead white guys music every day. You're just doing the same that everyone's been playing for hundreds of years, and you need to do it perfectly, otherwise you're a loser. And then a bunch of rich white people come to see you play. That's classical music. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I read that quote and I was like, oh, I've been <laughs> feeling this for forever, but now I have words <laughs> for it. Um, so she like, she just left the classical music world and she entered like the singer songwriter, like world. Um, she has a brother who plays guitar in a shoegaze band as well. Uh, so she was like kind of already there. In addition to touring with a bunch of bands and like opening for them and playing with, you know, just whoever, uh, she also joined the band Cherry Glazer on keys, um, and toured with them for a while. And it's really cool because like, it's such uh, it was such a different environment from, like, Eastman, you know, the Eastman Conservatory life, and then going into this, like, vulnerable and, like, welcoming environment, which gave her more room to grow and exist, especially as a queer woman of color. Mm-hmm. She said in an interview with Stereo Gum, For years and years and decades and centuries, it's been a male-dominated industry from the time when Bach and Beethoven were around. Now the world has wised up to the fact that women can create amazing music and it can be sold and you can wield that capitalist power. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we love that. Yeah. Uh, ow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So her post-Eastman journey was not just playing in bands on stages. As you know, she also did a whole bunch of other stuff like working in film scoring or music production or teaching and and, uh, contracting, I guess. And, you know, probably just like a million other things. Um, One of her gigs specifically is teaching music to kindergartners. Um, She told Grandstand Media, you have to juggle so many skills when you teach. You have to be a musician and a babysitter and a clown and secretly be teaching. If you can keep, like, 30 kids with tambourines entertained, doing it for a room full of drunk adults at a rock show is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Okay, I I just... That's that's an amazing quote. That's <laughs> yeah, because you're a teacher, quote. too. Yeah, but, like, I mean, oh, my gosh. Kindergarten? It's kindergarten, right? Yeah. yeah. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> I don't teach kindergarten. I, I, I It's just, like, I, I've done like a couple of like world music virtual classes with some kindergartners like let's take you around the world uh-huh. and man they get distracted in like three seconds like they're yeah. like look at my shoe and like <laughs> yeah they're also shoe gazing ooh. ooh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like five-year-old kids do not have like the, the attention span for, like, that kind of rigorous music. So, yeah, you have to, like, trick them into learning, I guess. Um, <laughs> side note, how on earth do three-year-old children start learning violin? I Just, have no idea. Yeah, I... <laughs> anyway. Um, so, all of these, like, jobs and hats and stuff, they all introduced her to a plethora of skills that she just kind of, like, picked up along the way, and that allowed her to be able to make her own music. So, I have a question. Would... Yes. Sorry. I, Don't I'm be just, sorry. I also laughed that she um, said you have to be a musician and a babysitter and a clown. Was that like referencing her clown video? Maybe. I Because part of the music video, um, like, so she's going around playing horn. And then at the end, she's like, she like goes up on stage at some like elementary school music concert where kids are just like playing on stage and she like walks around. Whoa. That's so cute. Um, yeah right yeah was she it was a clown costume right well the internet said it was a clown costume and it it was kind of like vaguely clownish she had like you know red overalls and like funky shoes and yeah at the end it looked like she was doing like drum major stuff with that like (laughs) i was like yeah 
<laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, With the flower, that's super. That's so cute. I love yeah, the kids you should, too. Yeah, um, yeah. It was just super cute. She, everyone seemed like they were having a really fun time. Not, it's called not the time. Not the time. Yeah. Okay. I just have a bunch of tabs open of different songs I'm going to listen to. I like this episode. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, so, okay. So while she was on tour with Cherry Glazer, again, that's the band that she joined, uh, she would just, like, write songs in her downtime. Um, she said that it was partially, like, to just get better at guitar, like, practice it more, and partially to just, like, you know, get words off of chest and onto paper. Um, and so, therefore, she said a lot of her lyrics are, like, journal streams of consciousness. Ooh. Kind of like, yeah, sometimes they're, like, unsent texts to past lovers. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So, she was just, like, doing this on her own just because, and eventually she ended up with enough songs to fill an album. And she was like, well, I guess this is what I'm going to do now. Uh, so, she signed with a label and, like, produ- recorded and produced the album. Um, like, she, like... She gathered everything that she needed for the album to happen, like, really organically, you know? She wasn't writing songs to make an album. She wasn't learning to record and write music and produce and organize and whatever. She wasn't doing this to make an album. She just was doing it because it was happening, and then it just, you know, then she just did it for the sake of, like, the music is here, let's do it. I think it's really cool. Um, Wow. Yeah. She also said in an interview with Oberlin Grape, uh, I think in a lot of ways I wanted to make music for myself. Because I had spent so much time being an orchestra where you're a part of a bigger thing and you're playing music that you didn't write. For years, I played in bands and worked on other people's albums, so this was the first album that was truly mine. I think I was really making music to elicit emotions for myself, hoping that if it was good, other people would connect to it. And they are. Yeah, like there's other sad, horny people out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shout out to the sad, horny people. Yeah, those, <laughs> a lot of lot of those, a lot of those. Valentine's Day was last month, so this month that wasn't relevant. This, oh god, time isn't <laughs> real, Shahid. <sighs> anyway, uh, so the album that she wrote that she put together is called Sasami. Um, it is a self-titled album, as they call it in the biz. Um, one of the songs that was on it is called Jealousy. Uh, the music video for that is very half the time it's like oh that's interesting and half the time i'm like i don't know what's going on she's like dressed up as like this like sexy vampire and she's like dancing in a cave but there's also this like two foot tall child who's dressed as like a goblin dancing with her and this is like cut against images of like people um i don't know being presented with like images of what they're supposed to be and then like ripping out of it in a emotional sad way it's wild um Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh anyway so yeah so from her stereo gum interview they said jealousy was the second song that ashworth ever wrote as sasami and it pushes back against the apprehension that arises when someone previously only in the background steps into the spotlight it's about breaking out of ingrained habits and forging new ground an apt metaphor for an artist on the proving ground of their debut album so i just yeah i think it's really cool like her progress from like being a horn player which is like with some really cool exceptions primarily an instrument meant to fill in voices in an orchestra you know like the french horn is the the middle voice the upbeat the da, 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 da. <laughs> they don't get cool things except for like a couple times you know and so she goes from like being that really anonymous 
a cog in a machine to like working with other people's bands on stage to writing her own music and it was again it was like a, just a natural progression uh-huh. um mm-hmm. uh one thing i really admire about her and her work is that not only is she very open and vulnerable in her music but she also doesn't make it about herself all the time she always makes a point to highlight other marginalized voices without being like like uh like this is for the people like she's not like that she's but she is like highlighting the but she so okay let me just read this quote for you um i think that identity politics are really tied into my work because i'm very honest and aware of how capitalism intersects with the music industry for me being a really small artist i don't really have a lot of capital but what i do have is my team and musicians that i hire to play with or open for me I think it's really important, of course, to uplift POC, queer, and other minority voices. But I also think it's really important to make sure they get paid. Because, yeah, you can repost on Twitter as much as you want, but if you're not sending dollars to those people, it's very echo chambery. Capitalism is built on the backs of white supremacy, and that's just a fact. I think people try to be in denial of that. But the truth is that we do exist in a capitalist society, and you do need to participate in that to exist not by choice, but by survival. And as I say, clout doesn't pay the bills. Clout won't buy me groceries. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, first of all, just snaps for that because, wow. Yeah. Um, second of all, yeah, so she's like, um, she. what's the word I'm trying to think of? She's not like, like being showboaty, but she is like saying, like, you know, I'm going to, like, capitalism is a system we're in, so I'm going to like, uh, play within that system as much as is necessary and then get put money in the hands of people who deserve it who don't normally get that, um, even with the limited power that she may have. I just think that's really cool. Yeah. 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 Another thing that I like about uh, her like not making her music all about her is that she like knows that music is like meant to be interpreted by the listener for the most part. She said um, to Title Magazine, I guess I would hope that people can use my music as a catalyst to process their own emotions. I would hope that people feel the same way after they view their most connective astrology meme. You know when you see an astrology meme and you're just like, yes, this is exactly how I feel? That's what I want people to feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the word for someone who, who like is good at astrology? Or is there a word for that? Someone who's good at astrology? Yeah. I don't know. Like a, like a, a consultant or guru on astrology. I'm like, I, I have no idea because I don't know anything about astrology at all. So I also don't know anything about astrology. I feel like that makes us bad gays, but yeah. I don't care enough. <laughs> well, I have a reason for, oh, really? I have a reason that I, I feel like um, my, see, like if I try to get into astrology, there's an issue that I feel like is going to stop me because technically I'm an Aries. Uh-huh. But um, there's, like, this whole thing that, like, where I was actually a preemie, um, and Uh. I don't know if astrology works, like, the same way when you're, like... (laughs) When you weren't supposed to be born that early? (laughs) Yeah, or, like, I was born... It's, like, a whole story. Anyways, I can tell you later. It's a a different thing. Oh, my God. Okay. But okay, wow. every time I'm like, I, I don't relate to Aries at all. So I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get it. I feel like I'm a Capricorn, but I don't feel like I am. I have always appreciated um, like Chinese astrology more. 
Um, mm. Part of it is the fact that as a half Asian person, I'm like, oh, Asian things? Do you mean the one tenuous thread I have to my father's culture? Yes, that's for me. Anyway, <laughs> um, I but I do like like the Chinese astrology. The Lunar New Year just happened, and it's the year of the ox now. Uh, and last year was the year of the rat, and I'm a rat. Um, rats Ooh. are cool because they're resourceful and and cunning and charming and um, smart and stuff. And um, they're first in the cycle of twelve years, and uh, y- yeah, all that stuff. And um, anyway, I like the Chinese astrology. I like being a rat. Yeah. Yeah. What when it's the year of the rat? Does that like? Is there also something for everyone else that is a rat that year? Like, is it like that's your year sort of thing? Like, kind of. I actually okay. This I learned from the TV show Fresh Off the Boat because <laughs> um, I, I just don't know that much about my own Asianness. But um, apparently, again, according to the ABC show Fresh Off the Boat, um, in like when it's the year of your animal, you have a whole year of oops, you have a whole year of bad luck. Whoa. Okay, that's yeah. the opposite of what I was expecting. <laughs> right. Um, and I would say 2020 was a pretty bad luck year for me i mean also probably everyone else but, uh i had a pretty i didn't have a great year um but the year's over and even though things are still hard in the world and in my life i feel like things are looking up some more i'm currently looking at my cat and she is adorable and perfect so things can't be all bad that's a good sign yeah <laughs> uh anyway we're in the year of the ox now and you're an ox so good luck i'm an ox <laughs> Yeah, you're an ox. Oh, gosh. Okay, good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you and Charles and most of our friends are oxes. Uh, Sam is a dog. Uh, Oh! (laughs) Yeah, I know. So cute. Who else? Who do we know? Uh, It's pretty much it. Rats, dogs, and oxes. Um, Yeah. Wow. And it's based off the year, right? Yeah, it's based off the year. um, The Lunar New Year. So, like, um, for example, this is the year of the ox, but it didn't start until, like, a couple weeks ago it didn't start on january 1st right yeah right okay that makes sense yeah so everyone born Um, in our year after a certain after a certain day is when yeah 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 but you just barely missed that (laughs) 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 i'm a rat barely i'm a 1996 baby barely um Anyway, where were we? Oh, astrology memes. <laughs> um, so yeah, she was like, "I want my music to be like a, an astrology meme." Uh, so uh, Sasami is going to be my new astrology guru, I suppose. Is "guru" an offensive word? Do you think, or is it okay? Ah, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, I mm. I haven't thought about that, but it probably is a little bit appropriate appropriative mm. maybe yeah okay so then in that case sasami will be my new astrology um mentor i think mentor works yeah, yeah. my new astrology mentor sasami <laughs> thank you sasami <laughs> <laughs> thank you sasami we love you um so here is a time here's a, like a quick little story that i liked uh she was talking about a time where she and two other queer women musicians were working with the with a man musician in his studio um the i don't 
I don't remember the man's name. I didn't write it down. It's not important. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she said, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so she said, uh, Soko, who is one of the musicians, was telling him what to do. And Melina, who is also one of the musicians, was setting up the drums. And I was like to the man, have you ever had an experience like this where there's three queer women around you telling you what to do in a session? And he was like, definitely not. And I was like, this is the future, bitch. I just think that's a very powerful <laughs> moment. <laughs> she said, um, typically being in a studio, being in a guitar shop or being in a venue, you're just enveloped in male energy. So it's kind of been exciting to be in situations where female energy is actually the main force in the room. It's a pretty new feeling. I love that. It's the future, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite quote so far. Um, yeah. I really love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I mentioned, um, I don't think I really, like, uh, acknowledged how we're talking about this person who's not in classical music anymore. Um, I mean, we talked about, like, kind of aspects of her leaving it, but I just, I just think it's so cool that, like, anything other than classical music, you can use swear words in your interviews and nobody cares, and it's, like, part of it. But if you, if, like, I don't know, you find an interview with Jean-Pierre Ron Paul from, like, a million years ago, and he's, like, I work so f***ing hard every day, like... <laughs> He would be fired from everything right away. <laughs> However, if he were to say racist things, he'd probably keep his job. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, my God. But also, like, yeah, they probably back then were a little bit more sexual assaulty and in their interviews and it was fine. So, yikes. Like, you can't say fuck, but you can say whatever you, can talk you about want to a woman. woman like, degradingly. Um, I love this quote. It also reminds me a little bit of, um, I always think um, of, I, I was just talking to my friend Muhi, um, and I was telling him, I was like, I just love women. And there's this, like, this, um, I love, like, the powerful woman. And for some reason, I feel um, sort of, I guess, my my sexuality and my, like, gender expression, I feel like a little bit is swayed by that, like, mm -hmm. idea of, like, the the strong woman. Um, and the movie Princess Mononoke, there's, like, this, uh -huh. like, area that's, like, men are, like, the workers and women, like, <laughs> like cheat the men, like, shit. <laughs> and that's, like, always my favorite part of the movie is, like... like <laughs> It's like the men are working and the like women are like catcalling them and like <laughs> Oh my god. It's just I love that so much. I don't know why. It's just I love that you love that so much. This is the future bitch. Yeah, this is the future bitch. I actually like yesterday or the day before, for some reason, was like, hey Sam, you know who also loves powerful women? Shahid. <laughs> I don't remember why that happened, but I did say that. It's just, true. Yeah. <laughs> powerful woman um we do love them yeah i do i i think i feel like you and amazing. i love them in different ways slightly but that's <laughs> yes. okay <There's>, yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah. let's just move on from that uh <laughs> so um i have two quotes left uh from sasami slash interviews from her that i feel like uh capture both ends of the spectrum of her like world of music making both the communal and the personal. Uh, she said, 
Uh, honestly, it's thrilling to be in an orchestra, a fucking unreal experience. It's like the ultimate Dolby surround sound. You're literally enveloped in the vibrations of like a hundred instruments. I think that's cool because, um, yeah, classical music is bad in a lot of ways, but also you get experiences like that. I just like the, um, it's not a like black and white situation. Like I will talk classical music and the world of it all day long, but there are really nice things here. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. yeah, so it was just nice to hear her say that, too. And it's true. Like, the first time, um, like, you know, I play flute, f- and that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I played saxophone. Did I talk about this at all on the podcast? I don't think you talked about this in the podcast before. Okay, yeah, I played saxophone in a pit orchestra once uh, for, like, a whole month playing the musical nine to five because the read one book was flute piccolo clarinet saxophone but it's like mostly saxophone and i was not good i want to stress that i am not a good anything player besides the flute but <laughs> it was so much fun though to like play in the middle of like play a middle voice because i never had that before i was like whoa i'm part of something bigger i'm not just sitting on <laughs> top um, and that's really nice. And, oh my God. An- that is a cool feeling. Yeah. Another thing. Ooh, I just bumped my mic. Hello. Uh, another thing that felt similar was when I did the Rose Parade in high school. Um, uh, the, like the main song or like little tune that we did was, uh, a jazzy arrangement of When You Wish Upon a Star. And, um, at the very end, we all sang When You Wish Upon a Star, Your Dreams Come True. And, <laughs> uh, the last Dreams Come True was separated into three-part harmony. And, like, I was freshly 17 um and having only played in my high school band for forever on flute and piccolo specifically and then i all of a sudden i get to like sing these three notes with like 200 college musicians it was like i I'd never felt anything like that before i was really part of something so big and really cool so Ooh. yeah anyway that's awesome i, I like me mu- i like music i don't know if you know that but <laughs> 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 i'm a fan I'm a fan of making music. Um, yeah. Uh, and so is Sasami. Uh, I, I, okay. I agree. I think that, like, the orchestral experience or, like, really being in any ensemble. I mean, the yeah. orchestra, like, is, like, huge uh, yeah. sound, which is a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that feeling. And, like, also, like, listening yeah. to an orchestra, like, at a really good hall, like, is also really Oof. fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really nice. Man. Man, I miss playing in an orchestra. Me oh, too. <laughs> should we form our own? We should form a gay orchestra in LA. We absolutely should. And I have thought about that before and we should do it. Yes. Okay. Queers only. <laughs> or should we include allies because we're inclusive, quote unquote? <laughs> uh... Well, I don't know. I mean, what does... Um, I guess we can model it after the gay men's chorus and see what they do. Oh, yeah. Do they have, <laughs> do they have straights in there? I guess, I guess we'll find out later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for the Classical Queeros-sponsored uh, gay orchestra of L.A. <laughs> um, so, okay, anyway, I do have one more quote. Um, it's talking about her album, uh, if Sasami, the album, tells a story, it's one about the surprising ways that one's relationships with lovers, with friends, with oneself can shift in a single year. Mm. And it's one that doesn't really have a solid conclusion or takeaway. 
other than the re- realization that your status of being in a relationship or not doesn't actually define whether you feel whole, as Sasami describes it. Ooh. It's about whether you feel grounded or not, whether you feel at peace or not. Wow. Yeah. I got goosebumps. <laughs> that yeah i i relate to that a whole lot and it makes me really want to listen to the album yeah you totally i think you would like it a lot it's really nice my favorite song is uh this is perfect because we're about to talk about recommended listening um my favorite song is morning comes uh i just like that one sonically the most and the music video is really cute so her grandmother moved to uh california from korea at age 82 to start a kimchi business and so the music video for the song morning comes uh is just like the song playing while her grandmother silently does like a a a kimchi cooking video it's so cute that's adorable i love that yeah yeah and i just i like the song a lot um i recommend the entire album (laughs) (laughs) no i'm a bad korean and i don't like kimchi Uh uh-oh I know. I, well, it's a very I, strong smell, so I yeah, it makes sense. I know, and I'm a I'm a bland eater. You know, I love that white bread and simple mac cheese. and cheese. <laughs> mac and cheese, yeah. Um, I apparently I used to eat kimchi as a baby, but somehow it just oh. stopped. Yeah, imagine little baby Alice eating some kimchi. I could totally uh, imagine that. <laughs> Um, Which, um, dear mac and cheese, uh, Alice, uh, so for everyone listening, every time I think of mac and cheese, I think of Alice, or grilled cheese, <laughs> I think of Alice, or like, just like, pl- like something like plain, I think of Alice, and not in like a mean way, it's just like, oh, I feel like this is Alice, um, <laughs> Alice's favorite foods. It and- is. I love mac and cheese. <laughs> I, like, all weekend, Charles was gone. And I only ate, like, mac and cheese and chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> it was really bad. Oh, my God. My whole diet. That was, like, all I ate. Iced coffee, mac and cheese, and uh, cookies. So. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the life. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm honored that you think of me when you think of foods like that. It's just, I don't know, it's nice and it's wholesome. <laughs> It's, like, good. It's, like, you have to remember that sometimes, like, to enjoy the simple things, like, mac and cheese on its own, I think, like, a lot of people love, like, souped up crazy, like, mac and cheese with, like, all this stuff added in and, like... Yeah, and, like, truffle oil and whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, just, like, a bowl of mac and cheese is, like, so good, like, on its own. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's really really good is the microwave, like the frozen mac and cheese from Trader Joe's. I Ooh. could eat that stuff all day. They have um, a regular one and a red box, and they also have a um, uh, reduced guilt version in a blue box. Um, really, they're the same, just one has less mac and cheese in it. <laughs> <laughs> that does not like, I don't think I would choose that one. But uh, <laughs> thanks for the heads up. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're both good. I love mac and cheese. Um, anyway. Wow. For the first yeah. time, uh, I, I went with Charles to um, Trader Joe's to like grocery shop because I was like, I just feel like going there. And I bought <laughs> um, frozen th- spicy Thai fried rice with shrimp. Oh, um, wow. And I was like... Usually, I'm not a big fan of, like, the frozen foods in general, 
But yeah, it was really, really, I was like pleasantly surprised how good it was. Oh, nice. Yeah, some of the Trader Joe's like frozen stuff is really good. Like their frozen turkey meatballs. Oh my God. Best meatballs (laughs) I've ever had. Holy moly. Yeah, definitely going back there for frozen foods. Yeah. Are we, should we get sponsored by Trader Joe's? Do you think they would do that? (laughs) And who else did we mention? Uh, Lake Lake Street Dive. Lake Street Dive and the Nice Plants. Uh, the yeah. nice plant. If you, if yeah. anyone wants to give us money, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're out here. Um, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> listen to her whole album. It's called Sasami. Um, we mentioned the song not not the time, jealousy, and morning comes, but the whole album is really good. You can check mm-hmm. out her website, uh, sasamiashworth.com. She sells merch, um, including a baseball hat with a little like french horn on it Ooh, um, cute mm-hmm. yeah and yeah so i guess that's it this is our show we did it hooray we did it we did yeah. it <laughs> yay woo i was gonna say i look forward to listening to all of this all of her music oh, and totally. going and uh following her and uh yeah seeing what she does yeah totally and then maybe you'll work with her again we'll all be famous together and then it'll be a great time <laughs> Woo, fame yeah <laughs> uh so thank you everyone for listening you can follow us on instagram at classical queeros on twitter at classical queero or you can even visit our new website at classicalqueeros.com we also have a patreon where you can help support us with money and get bonus content in return and also you can buy merch from our website we have fun merch it has our faces and it has rosie's face and we'll get more stuff eventually and uh is that it <laughs> that's it go buy rosie merch Go listen to Go buy to Rosie Merch. <laughs> yeah. Woo. 